0: Love, social convention, gender roles, and religion. Charlotte Bronte's most famous novel challenges ideas on all these topics, and we are here to discuss it. I'm Charlene.
1: And I'm Mike.
0: And this is Jane Eyre Files. Chapter 34 Formed for Labor. Hello, husband.
1: Hello, my helpmeet.
0: <laughs> not fellow laborer?
1: <laughs> no, no. Helpmeet. I have no idea what that is, but it was like, <laughs> that, I saw that phrase used twice in the chapter. Oh, yeah. Helpmeet.
0: That's that's exactly what Sinjin wants. I don't know she what He wants some
1: help. Yeah, but helpmeet. Like, we talk about another term, meet cute, right? That's a term oh, for, like, yeah. uh, in a movie, when the, the romantic comedy, when the male and the female lead get together. Meet oh, cute. What I've, is they Helpmeet.
0: I have not looked into the origin of that word, but, eh. It's kind of a cool word, I'm I think.
1: Disappointed. <laughs> uh, before we get started, I, I, we, we joke about it all the time that you know we started this podcast, and I am always curious who's listening. Mm-hmm. You know, is it if, besides our friends or maybe some of the people that you know who are big fans of Jane Eyre? Mm-hmm. So it's always really flattering when we find out that we have people out there that we've never met, right? Who listen right. to this show, and one in particular, I, we're going to go to Brooklyn, New York. And Brooklyn, New York, I didn't realize was around during the time of the, of Charlotte Bronte. Mm-hmm. It exists back then, and I did want to give a shout out to one of our listeners, a young lady named Avital Yermayev. Um, I think she's been apparently found our show and has been enjoying it, and has oh, that's been really reading nice. the book. Yeah, oh I, great! I was in touch with her mother Daniela, so I wanted to give the uh, Yermayevs a shout out and thank you for listening.
0: Yes, thank you for listening.
1: All right, there's
0: a lot of uh, stuff to talk about in this chapter. A so long one. Long yeah. one. Yeah. yeah, let's just get right into the SparkNote summary for chapter 34. Jane closes her school for Christmas and spends a happy time with her newfound cousins at Moore House. Diana and Mary are delighted with the improvements Jane has made at school, but St John seems colder and more distant than ever. Huh, the, the SparkNote summary says school, but I think it should be at the house. Anyways. He tells Jane that Rosamond is engaged to a rich man named Mr. Granby. One day, he asks Jane to give up her study of German and instead to learn Hindustani with him, the language he is learning to prepare for missionary work in India. As time goes by, John exerts a greater and greater influence on Jane. His power over her is almost uncanny. This leaves Jane feeling empty, cold, and sad, but she follows his wishes. At last, he asks her to go to India with him to be a missionary, and to be his wife. She agrees to go to India as a missionary, but says that she will not be his wife because they are not in love. Sinjin harshly insists that she marry him, declaring that to refuse his proposal is the same as to deny the Christian faith. He abruptly leaves the room.
1: As he should. She is no bird and no net ensnares her. No,
0: not even a Christian net.
1: Yeah, Uh, we're going to get to that (laughs) at the end of our discussion. I, I don't like people... Using Christian faith to provide guilt Mm -hmm. on other people, yeah.
0: Well, we'll we'll start at the beginning of this chapter where... We get Jane enjoying cleaning more house to prepare for Diana and Mary's arrival. And I love her eagerness and enjoyment because it's very satisfying to make a house shiny and clean, isn't it?
1: I knew you would say that. Mm. (laughs) I'm sure, you know. Yeah, you're right. It is nice to see that Jane is so excited about the simple pleasures of homemaking. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, because I guess she was when she was at Thornfield. She's one of the she didn't have that to deal staff, with that, right? yeah, yeah. And I feel like the funny part is now that you and I have just bought a house, I feel like I'm actually starting to feel that way myself.
0: Oh yeah, you know, you know, when I see little little dust gathering in the corner, we can't have that. You know, yeah. this house is so was we bought it so shiny and new, so we have to uh, keep it that
1: way. Yeah, I mean, I'm personally I'm always wanting to tinker in the yard, but I feel the same way. Like with the first impression people have on yes. the outside of the house. So yeah, it is it is fun. It is fun. I mean, again. We've been, you know, living here in Los Angeles. We tend, we're apartment dwellers so much, mm-hmm. and you know, you don't take as much pride. And I think with Jane, you know, she was at Lowood, and I said oh. feel she's somewhere else. Like she hasn't really had. That's a good point. She
0: she doesn't take as much pride in cleaning, probably. But yeah. Now Gateshead, they would have had feels a little servants. ownership. Yeah, exactly. Mm, yeah. Especially now
1: that she's throwing her money around, <laughs> and uh, yeah, and she feels like she she does own the place almost, right? Almost,
0: almost. But we have. What I like to say is a bit of a dark shadow at Morehouse mm-hmm. in the form of Sinjin Rivers because he just doesn't join in the revelries. He encourages Jane not to spend too much time cleaning and decorating because I feel like Sinjin has so much more of a coldness to him mm. um, compared to the previous chapter where he had this kind of humor that we I enjoyed and now it's missing.
1: Yeah, he's still that stick in the mud, right?
0: Yeah, we can't forget. He, he did say he's a cold man.
1: That's true. And I was wondering, I was going to ask you this question when I, fir- when I first got done reading this very lengthy chapter, <laughs> was do you think Sinjin is distraught because he knew he wanted to ask Jane to marry him, but then it got weird when he found <laughs> out that she was related to mm. him?
0: Uh, I mean, that's a good point. I mean, there's, I guess there's two ways of thinking about it because... On the one hand, yeah, it's awkward, but then I don't think in that time it was that awkward. Apparently not. Right? So maybe he thought, oh, this makes it easier. Like Jane and Jade is already like a dependent, you know, like depends on me for uh, brotherly love. Well, we could just mm. shift that to
1: Maybe that might something help else. convince her to be in a loveless marriage if you're just like, well, we're already related.
0: Yeah, we work so well together, Jane. Let's just uh, put a ring on it.
1: We're, fam- we're familial. <laughs> You know, oh but I, I also, I, I, the other question I had was that, is there a, a chance that maybe he's just so devout that he can't seem to enjoy his sister's company when he would be much happier tending to the members of his congregation?
0: Uh, well, I mean, that does seem like that's the way he's been for a large chunk of his adult life. Maybe yeah. maybe as a child, too, that he, he really didn't want, he, he was more concerned with studies or books or something than hanging
1: out with his sisters. Yeah, but his sisters are coming back and they haven't seen each other in how long right. has it been? A year or something yeah. like that? And then it's like, no, no, I got to get out and go He's to this parishioner's house. Yeah, and I think, you know, Charlotte even describes it. I've got the, the exact quote. Is, she says, quote, he had performed an act of duty and then she later says he was on better terms with himself.
0: Right. He just he just seems to really thrive on knowing challenging himself to achieve something, which in this case would be you know, walking out in this inclement weather and helping mm. out one of his uh, flock, I yeah. guess, and uh, that seems to be something that he that makes him feel good. Which yeah. you know, it's it's fine, I guess.
1: He's more <laughs> reserved, he's antisocial.
0: Yeah, sentimentally enjoying the company of his family seems maybe a waste of time to him, mm. and he doesn't uh, embrace that as much
1: when he could be enjoying the company of a good book. <laughs>
0: Well, I should say that there is that point where Jane comments that it's, uh, I think it was, quote, Sinjin's unsocial custom to read at meals. And I do love reading during meals, uh, especially if I'm eating alone, but I can't quite bring myself to be so unsocial as to read with a group of people.
1: Mm. But I you do. Oh, uh, well. <laughs> if you tried, you could.
0: <laughs> if I get away with it, maybe, yeah.
1: I'll, I'll let the listeners know there was a moment uh, when I got done reading the chapter that I was explaining to Charlene, I said, there was, there was, I thought there was one particular part where I thought Sinjin reminded me of you. And you were like, horrified. Like, what? what? And <laughs> How then, dare and, you? <laughs> yeah. In this chapter of all the chapters, what would you think? And I was like, you know, what? I gotta remember what it was. And you were like, oh, is it the part where he said he likes to read it while he's eating? <laughs> yes. That's exactly what it was. Well,
0: wow, that's fair. I appreciate that you know that about me.
1: Yeah, hopefully it's the only <laughs> thing you have in common, right? I should think so. You told me—I think you told me that you said you—you you one time went, stopped on the way home from work to eat, eat at a diner by yourself, and wound up reading this is before you met me.
0: <laughs> right, right, yeah. I think I just really had a craving for some for something at this restaurant, and I thought, you know what? Let me just treat myself on the way home from work, and since I was by myself, I had a book with me, and might as well. Read that while I'm sitting there.
1: (laughs) I mean, I guess it's like reading the paper or something, right? Oh, yeah. Very true. I think I heard that was years ago. I heard someone say that's a good, it's a pickup. It's like something a pickup artist would do is you sit at the bar by yourself and make it seem like you bring the paper with you Uh. and you make it seem like the paper was just sitting at the bar. And if it has a crossword puzzle in it, then you start doing the crossword puzzle and then you could ask the woman next to you for clues and then, you know... But you have to bring a new server with you and pretend like you just found it at the bar.
0: Oh, wow. Just sullying the art of going out by yourself and just reading.
1: Yeah, for sure. That would be your thing. That's your thing you said.
0: <laughs> but before we jump into the really meat of this chapter, I just want to mention Throw Away, which is Rosamond's kind of gotten rid of quickly because mm. Sinjin just says, oh, she's going to get married, and then she's dispensed with, so... Goodbye to Rosamund, but I wonder if that kind of made Sinjin feel free to propose to Jane.
1: I'm not sure. Like, like you know, it's it's true that it was kind of weird to see her introduced only to to depart so quickly, especially Mm -hmm. when we thought that her and Jane were kind of hitting it off. Oh yeah. You know, but then I feel like maybe it was just maybe she was just a means to an end to show Sinjin's internal struggles between love and duty.
0: Yeah, she wasn't really her own fully realized character. She mm-hmm. was there for a reason. And yeah. now that reason is done.
1: Well, you know, and that's I'm gonna ask you. I honestly think that Sinjin would have proposed to Jane even if Rosamond wasn't engaged. You know? Um, it kinda of yeah. reminds me of a lot it kinda of reminds me of a lot of Rochester ditching Blanche for Jane. Even he you didn't have to pair her up. He still was gonna go for Jane anyway. And so I think Sinjin probably would have done the same thing. He clearly didn't have the greatest amount of feelings for her or they or maybe he did but he just couldn't be with her right yeah. right
0: yeah oh I, I wonder i mean that's I, i'm sure sinjin doesn't really care you know for himself emotionally whether or not he proposes to, to jane before Rosamond finds someone but did he feel that it would have been a little disrespectful to Rosamond to you know already announce an engagement and you know Rosamond clearly had interest in him and hmm. And maybe Rosamund would feel a little bit bitter towards Jane. That's
1: a good point. Yeah. Yeah,
0: So that it worked out.
1: Yeah. I guess it did.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So then we have, we come to a point in this book where Jane starts to mention that Sinjin seems to have like a power over Jane um, because there's a moment when she's going to Morton where she gives her like weekly class um, and she doesn't want to complain because it's, pretty bad weather. It's winter uh, because it will vex Sinjin and then later on he kind of forces her to learn Hindustani
1: because she was learning Do you want to learn Hindustani?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean you want to learn a language that you probably have no intention of being able to speak uh, unlike German which maybe she'd be able to travel to Germany at some point and and it would be useful but
1: It's a parlor trick that you can bring out at parties or something I guess I can speak Hindustani
0: Right Uh, but yeah so I see that Jane is curbing her vivacity and her personality, which is something she did not have to do with Mr. Rochester, just to yeah. point out. Oh, for sure. Yeah.
1: It's actually difficult. It's kinda of sad to, to see Jane sort of returning to this role of servitude.
0: Right. You right. know
1: I think like you said, that vivacity. Her vivacity in attempting to sort of break free of the situation is probably I think it's why why this book has stood out. For Mm -hmm. the test of time, you know, like everything she's been through, I think like she really should put her foot down rather than just sort of going along with it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And unfortunately, you know, it's, it's like, she feels that she has to cater to Sinjin in some way because they, she, maybe she feels so grateful to him and, and he has such a strong personality and he seems to be a good man, you know, so she feels maybe that she should follow whatever he says because he is a quote better man than her or Mm. better person
1: okay yeah use the finger quotes for that yes for sure
0: like huge air quotes on that one yeah
1: yeah for sure for sure and then you find out that he's like been observing her for all these months right yeah
0: yeah he he does mention that and which is something that i think rochester did when he first came back to thornfield and Mm -hmm. he was kind of watching her you know take care of adele and get a, a kind of a feel for her personality but for sinjin it does seem more that his motivation for observing jane is just to see if she would suit his purpose
1: oh yeah i kind of get that like and again with rochester he's got a whole staff of people there's a lot of hustle and bustle where when it comes to jane and sinjin there's not no one else is around right? oh, is not it kind paper? of the kids <laughs> no i mean i guess it's easier to just observe that person if there's no there's no one oh, else to take right, your, right. your distraction away yeah and plus i feel like it's it's also really uncomfortable the way that did you notice when I was reading it, it just, it feels like he keeps leading her on. Like he's just Mm -hmm. always asking about her ambition or or whether she could do that job forever, you know? And it's, it's like, I, I, we talk about foreshadowing and this is, it's really blatant. You know, you and I, obviously you have read this book many times. Mm -hmm. I have read the book one prior time, but once you know already that he's going to propose, it's a little bit weird when you read the chapter before in this chapter where it's like some of the way that he talks where it's like, Oh man, he's really trying to steer her towards. Oh yeah, right?
0: yeah. Well, he definitely had this plan in place, and I guess he saw what he he saw something in her. You know, well, she he explains it more about what he sees in her that will be great as a missionary's wife. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if you think so. But St. John's reasoning for Jane to be a missionary is convincing to me. I think that Jane is, is it? strong and diligent. And persevering, she, she would be a great helper to Sinjin. And she even thinks that she could show him inner strength that, that he doesn't even know about.
1: Oh, man. A woman thinking they could change a man. <laughs> <sighs> that's, that's, got, that's, got bad, that's bad news right there. Right, uh,
0: right. But did you, did you think that Sinjin's argument for her to be a missionary is convincing?
1: I, I mean, I feel like he's, he's certainly persuasive and he makes some good points. But then he just went about it all wrong.
0: Absolutely, yeah. You
1: know, and I think maybe, perhaps, the women of that era don't need. Maybe, maybe the women of that era didn't need to be in love to get married. And I think, but Jane's different, right? Like that's mm-hmm. that isn't going to work. And it, you would you would imagine that if he was, if he supposedly been this perceptive and he's been observing her for ten months, did he not ever get the sense that she's kind of independent and she doesn't necessarily just follow? Uh, uh, everybody else's customs.
0: Oh, well, yeah. It doesn't seem like she kind of showed that side of her with the way that she's kind of catering to him, like I mentioned before, where mm-hmm. she doesn't want to express her her reluctance to go to Morton if it's bad weather, or she doesn't want to say she doesn't she can't learn Hindustani because she's not interested.
1: Oh, so she, maybe she seems more subservient to him. Yeah,
0: so he's surprised by this independent streak of hers.
1: Oh, okay. But then, like you said... She's only told them so much about the Rochester situation.
0: Yeah, and so she's... it's so he doesn't even know that she's had this experience of love, mm-hmm. and I think that kind of saves her from this potential loveless marriage that Sinjin is offering. Because otherwise, I can see Jane going mm-hmm. along with Sinjin's plan.
1: Really, you think? You I mean? I, I mean, I don't automatically think that she would have gone along with it. Mm-hmm. You know, I think you know she's got money now. Mm-hmm. She's got a worthwhile profession. And she has some newfound family. You know, I, I, why why immediately leave that all behind? Like, yeah.
0: I, well, you know, if she still thought of Sinjin as something, someone to admire and someone she wants to please, yeah. then maybe she would have kept, kept going with that and accepted his marriage proposal.
1: I don't know. Like I said, I feel like she has her faith, but she's not so devout. Mm-hmm. Like this is something where if Helen, oh, absolutely.
0: But, Helen would have accepted.
1: Yeah. Best character in the book. Would oh,
0: would that have been a good uh, opportunity or situation for her?
1: I don't know. Perhaps she
0: could probably do better.
1: Well, I mean, <laughs> but then the two of them would be just a dynamite combo oh. for the for the Lord, right there, you know. <laughs> but I, I mean, as much as I think Helen would be a would be good fit, I just don't necessarily think Jane. I mean, yeah, she talks about how she's like she she kind of t- tries to talk herself into it, mm-hmm. you know, as she's saying, okay, I can go as his as his assist, assistant or as yeah. his sister, but. Not as his wife. And I, I, it's, it's kind of tough to read that part because, you know, it's so easy. You, you can just tell if you've been reading this book for 33 chapters, you know, as soon as he proposes, you're like, there's no way she's saying it. Yes.
0: Oh, right. <laughs>
1: but then as it goes along, again, it's a very long chapter. She's got a lot of time to think. Yeah. And she starts kind of trying to come around to it. And it's like, did you find yourself going, what are you doing? Like, you, oh. don't, need, you don't need to do this.
0: Right. You're Jane yes. Eyre.
1: Right. <laughs> like you're it's awesome. Yeah. You could do better. Not necessarily that you're gonna have to end up with a Rochester eventually, it's more just like this this can't be what you would want.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's but just
1: that's just me. I don't
0: know. It, it's it's a mark of the persuasiveness of Sinjin, I think.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Just that he is able to sway her a little bit. But, you know, good for Jane to kind of stick to her guns, even though even though she does agree to go as a missionary, just not as his wife.
1: Yeah, it's almost like she she just doesn't want to make him unhappy. Yeah. But he's just, he's a very unhappy person. I mean, <laughs> he's happy when he's, when he's serving the Lord. Yeah. But at other times, it's he's very unhappy. He's a very stubborn guy, you know? It's a
0: weird sort of happiness for him. But
1: Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, misplaced. Why are my powers for such an undertaking? I do not feel them. Do not persuade me to attempt what I cannot perform.
0: You can. Have I not observed you? In the village school, you performed well, a labor uncongenial to your inclinations. In the calm with which you learnt of your inheritance, I read of a mind clear of the vice of Demas. Luca has no undue power over you. In the resolute readiness with which you cut your wealth into four shares, I recognised a soul that revelled in the flame and excitement of sacrifice. Jane, you are docile, diligent, courageous, very gentle and very heroic. Cease to mistrust yourself. I trust you unreservedly as a conductress of Indian schools and a helper among Indian women. your assistance will be to me invaluable. so what do you think about Sinjin 's stubbornness in not wanting to bring a young woman to India with him unless she is his wife? Do you think that makes sense?
1: I mean, that just seems like a very antiquated sure thought, yeah, you know I think it, I think I,
0: it was taboo at the at the time for you know a man and a woman to like even be seen together if they're if they weren't you know related like a brother or sister
1: or married or you know
0: they need a chaperone you know a woman yeah. needs a chaperone
1: but then like yeah like did male missionaries only have male assistants at that time
0: or a wife <laughs>
1: it had to be yeah I mean like, again I don't know how missionary work works yeah
0: I'm, I mean I'm not sure either but I, I, I would
1: imagine you, especially if you have you have a, a man who's got a woman who's half his age they're just like you said, part of the flock and, and mm-hmm. they're trying to spread the word. It's, I don't imagine it, like, there's some rule that says they have to be mm. married unless it's a situation where there's not enough lodging where they're going and so oh. they have to cohabitate. I, think, I think that plays into maybe, it. Yeah, maybe, They're it in would some be mud difficult. hut somewhere. <laughs> right. They, they're curled up together. and
0: Yeah. I, I mean, that would be curious too because obviously I think that's very English thinking, you know, uh, society structure but in India, are they as concerned about men and women co-mingling, cohabitating if they're not married? Yeah. Don't I don't really know.
1: Could you not just go around introducing people and by saying, you know, this is my help
0: <laughs> Implies a very platonic relationship.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we're, we're both here to get you to listen to the word of Jesus Christ.
0: Right, right. <laughs> but yeah, I think that... Even so, sort of Jane downplaying St. John's concerns, that doesn't make as much sense to me. Because I think it, it would really look bad on her, especially if she traveled with him. Because, you know, double standards for women. You know, if a man traveled with a woman, it's fine. But if a woman traveled, well, she's ruined now. Mm. She's clearly damaged goods now.
1: Mm. Nessie, now, you be, would be more up on your Victorian era... Etiquette than I. Yeah, so I mean, I, this I is
0: this is really just me reading different books from that time period or other kind of uh, like Regency novels. So mm. I hope that they have not led me astray in this knowledge.
1: Yeah, and again, <laughs> this is why I don't read.
0: This is why you don't read. This is why
1: I don't read. Because yeah, because you don't want and, knowledge. <laughs> well, well, just because I'm just like that's how it was like back uh. then. And then again, I feel like is this the reason that this book stands out so much? You know, because Jane is sort of unconventional and mm-hmm. this bold and headstrong demeanor that she has as she tries to rise above her station is that why 175 years later this some married couple is talking about this on a podcast you know because ah. it's just
0: well it does it does point to Jane really thinking that she and Sinjin are equals you know that mm-hmm. people should see them as they're just missionaries doesn't matter what kind of you know there's nothing going on and they can trust that but you know that's that's a very important part of this novel is that men and women are equals and i think yeah. that's something that jane advocates
1: yeah i mean again that's, that's why i was excited to do this podcast this sort of deep dive into this book to figure out you know it's not just some victorian era romance like why is this book still being taught in schools or mm-hmm. is it being talked about as much as it is and i think it is like you said you don't you don't think about it now Right. right yeah we talk about the reason that we talk about the beatles being the best band ever and it's people go <laughs> but that's just plain old pop music and you're like well it wasn't at the time uh, very good right? point Yeah, we've, we've been listening to bands that have been inspired by them for so many years and we've been reading books or we've been growing up in a society where men and women are more equal i mean it's probably not completely equal unfortunately
0: mm, not but, yet
1: you know but they're they're more equal to where when you're reading it you're like I don't understand why would she go along with this but back at the time mm-hmm. this was this was they like said out of the norm and then the fact that she is so bold
0: yeah maybe that's a very reason good that point.
1: this book is so popular yes and, and i'm glad you.
0: i'm glad that you can see that too yeah for
1: sure <laughs> for sure
0: so yeah we have this very lukewarm proposal from sinjin
1: lukewarm
0: <laughs> where sinjin just you know instead of saying that uh he loves her at least, or pretends that he can care for Jane. He, he focuses on Jane being the perfect laborer for him and someone he can quote, retain absolutely till death end quote. Wow. I I don't think that's very swoon worthy.
1: No. And then there's there's a moment where he said, he says, quote, I claim you. Oh God. And and I, (laughs) I just, I absolutely cringed when I saw that. Yeah. And 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 then there's a moment where I think toward the end of the chapter where you're like, yeah, Jane's coming back. Yeah, and Jane. Jane says the line, "quote I scorn your idea of love."
0: Yeah, you really, I really appreciate that, Jane. I guess is kind of peeking through the curtain here. She can see Sinjin for who he is. He's just as fallible as she is, mm-hmm. and he she doesn't have to follow everything that he says because he doesn't have, you know, that understanding of God that she thinks that he has. And I and I like that, Jane finally speaks up for herself.
1: Yeah. And it's so funny because now it's like you have the Rochester proposal and you have the Sinjin proposal. And it certainly, that definitely presents a dichotomy between the the feelings that that Jane and Rochester have for each other Mm -hmm. and how Sinjin feels towards Jane, which is totally not requited, right? No, can't even
0: pretend to be a little bit affectionate towards her.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and it's funny because like no matter what's going on, like ever since she left Thornfield, she's still thinking about Rochester. It gets brought up every chapter. Yeah, yeah. And this is a very long chapter and it still manages, it's only a brief mention, mm-hmm. but it's very passionate in the way that she describes how much she misses him. Mm-hmm. You know, And so the, the thing I put in my notes here is I just wrote down, this ain't no love triangle.
0: No. <laughs>
1: you know, it's clearly... Mr. Rochester
0: does not have anything to worry about. <laughs> yes,
1: yeah. I know that uh, you know she might feel like You know, if he, if he's forever gone and he's going to be with his wife and Mm -hmm. I don't want to be his mistress, then maybe I could be a missionary's assistant, (laughs) but I'll always be in love with him. Right. And again, it's like, again, we talk about this all the time. I mean, I, I don't understand sometimes that would people, why would people want to be in a loveless marriage? I mean, there must be reasons. I'm sure there's probably some practical, love should not be practical, mm, marriage yeah. should be practical, but it's it's like you said, I think you mi- you mentioned to me off the air that, you know, Stenjan could at least pretend to care for her, right? Right,
0: right yeah. And
1: like you said, that cold, unfeeling side of him just comes out, and then he just starts bringing up God as, a, as an excuse, <laughs> if, don't do it for me, do it for God, and that's even worse.
0: Oh, absolutely, yeah. I just, you know, it's it's sad towards the end of this chapter where, you know, Sinjin is processing, I guess, Jane's refusal of him, you know, something that she, he really didn't expect because I guess she's been mm. so submissive and accepting of everything he wanted her to do. Uh, so now, now he just has this cold shoulder that mm. he gives to her, just silent treatment that is so manipulative. Oh, yeah. And just, you know, hoping that she will change her mind, but not really acknowledging that she has a freedom of choice here because he just expects her to just say, okay, I'll do what you want.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess it's one of those things where, like I said, and then he, he kind of brings the faith and God and just starts to guilt trip her yeah. into it. And I think I told you before the the first word that came to mind when I, I saw that part was just I thought it was gutless. I thought it was oh, really yeah. gutless, where you're just so desperate that you're just like, well, I'm going to try to shame her into this, and and that's an even worse reason to get married. Mm-hmm. is for guilt.
0: Yeah. No. So, yeah. So, yeah. I don't I don't know if you if you feel this way too, but you know, Saint Jean is presented at the, you know, in the beginning at least as a very sort of admirable character cuz he mm-hmm. he he's so close to God and he acts so selflessly so much of the time.
1: Brings her in out of the out of the cold, right? Yeah,
0: and mm-hmm. he's always there for his uh, parishioners, you know, he wants to help out. Um, but it does feel like the way that he does good and he benefits the world that it's, it really seems that it's only a way for him to be closer to God and not necessarily because he wants to help other people.
1: Okay, yeah, for sure. Like You, you used the term manipulative a minute ago, mm-hmm. and I feel like that's the same way. Yeah. And who knows? I mean, maybe there are people that go into the clergy for the wrong reasons like that. Where oh, I'm it's sure. Just like, I'm just, you know, they're just going to sort of do it for themselves. And I, I'm wondering if, you know, at the time, in 1847, were there people who read this book? And totally sided with Sinjin? Maybe. That were thinking like, what in the world? Well, come on, Jane, you have to do this.
0: Yeah, you're fit for it, so why don't you just do it? (laughs) Were there
1: people that just just threw the book away at this point? And were like...
0: (laughs) Yeah, other missionaries who were like, oh my gosh, I wish I had a wife like Jane. And I don't have to actually talk to her or show affection to her, just have her set her tasks from day to day.
1: Meanwhile, all these missionaries' wives are reading this book and thinking, oh my gosh, there's something greater than my station. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. But it's, again, it was a long chapter, mm-hmm. and in a way, it was a very powerful chapter because it yes. has its it has its movements, it has its it has its high points and low points, and it just mm-hmm. there's a lot of drama happening. You know, It least seems like when Rochester proposes to Jane, it's 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 kind of brief. It's awesome. Well. But it's kind of brief. Whereas this one, they they really kind of dwell on it for a while because it presents so much conflict.
0: Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of discussion, and and they're just. Stating their cases to each other, it seems like.
1: Yeah, and it's, it's it's argument and counter-argument, right?
0: Yes, that's what I'm trying to go for here. Yeah, pretty
1: pretty <laughs> much. But all right. Well, well to, before we wrap up, what 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 is the interesting context that we have from this chapter? Because I think you've got a good one.
0: Oh, thank you. So. You know, a lot of characters in this novel, they're based on real people that Charlotte Bronte knew, like Helen Burns, based on her sister. John seems to be based on someone that Charlotte Bronte knew, which is the Reverend Henry Nussi, who was the brother of Ellen Nussi, who was Charlotte Bronte's best friend. And Henry Nussi who was known to be very earnest, pious, and methodical. And he actually proposed to Charlotte. Really? Uh Yes. And did you know that Charlotte had... Six marriage proposals in her lifetime? Six. Right. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, Jane needs to catch up, right?
1: Well, for sure, for sure. They play it seems like every time I've seen Charlotte portrayed on screen or the pictures she seems very dowdy, very kind of Yeah, plain a lot of and... the
0: descriptions of her is that she she wasn't a great beauty like Jane, mm-hmm. and she was very sh- tiny.
1: Tiny. Yeah. And
0: very shy, too.
1: I'm wondering if some of these six marriage proposals were the same practical functional marriages where it's <laughs> People that are religious or clergymen, no less, saying yes, you think yes. you'd be a good clergy wife.
0: Well, yes. The Reverend Henry Newsey actually did seem to just want a wife to help care for his parish and didn't propose to Charlotte because he loved her. He actually didn't really know her that well. I was thinking it was just because she's Ellen's best friend and she was available. Mm. But...
1: Was, do you think do you think maybe Ellen might have been the inspiration for, like, Mary or Diana?
0: Well, actually... I haven't read that. I was thinking that they might be more based on Emily and Emily Anne. Anne. Yeah. yeah. But we do have Charlotte's reply to Henry's proposal in the form of a letter which has been preserved. I I kind of just wanted it's it's a it's a great letter. You, you should know? put
1: this up on your Instagram page or something.
0: Uh, I'll try to. It's a little bit long. Yeah. Uh maybe I'll put some quotes up, but It's um... it, was, it was
1: a good read. It it, it reads like something Charlotte Bronte would have written. <laughs> it's very it's very poetic. <laughs>
0: She does. She does really let him down easy. Mm. So I'm just going to read a couple of quotes from this letter that she wrote. She says, I say that my answer to your proposal must be a decided negative. In forming this decision, I trust I have listened to the dictates of conscience more than to those of inclination. I have no personal repugnance to the idea of a union with you. But I feel convinced that mind is not the sort of disposition calculated to form the happiness of a man like you.
1: And you know what we got here? We got 19th century friend zone.
0: (laughs) Yes, I think the last line says, I shall always be glad to hear from you as a friend.
1: Oh, burn. (laughs) Just like just breaking his heart.
0: She never heard from him again. (laughs) Yeah.
1: And I'm sure he probably kept that letter. And then when when she got famous... He was like, I got dumped by Charlotte Bronte. (laughs)
0: This letter did survive, so I wonder who kept it. But in case you're curious... Yeah,
1: who did did the other proposals come from?
0: We we got one from another reverend, David Price, who knew her father. Then a man who worked with her publishing company named Joe Taylor. A cousin named Thomas Bronte Branwell. And finally, the man Charlotte did marry... Arthur Bell Nichols, I should say Reverend Arthur Bell Nichols, who proposed twice, the first time in 1852 when Charlotte refused him, and then a second time in 1854 when she found she did have feelings for him.
1: Well, I mean, it worked out well, yeah. sort of. But I did think it's crazy how the descriptions of some of these men... Who proposed? Or seemed like they may have all been inspirations for St. Jim. Some, you know, they were either religious or they were a cousin.
0: Oh yeah. You know,
1: that's that's kind of crazy. I I would like to know more about this publishing company man. Oh this right. Joe Taylor. Like, were they around the office, or was he? There, was she there dropping off manuscripts, and then he? he I think just... he
0: was kind of the liaison. Like he he would deliver whatever manuscripts or you know, missiles that came from the publishing company. Get to know her a little bit better. Yeah. And then I don't know if he actually fell in love with her. I, I think, could see that. I think right? there was some suggestion that he did have feelings for yeah. her. And Charlotte did not have any feelings at all. <laughs> you know how
1: it happens with coworkers sometimes. Especially, hmm. you know, we, we were joking about how Sinjin was observing her all that time. And we'd like, did he really get to know her? I mean, he, she was acting a little bit differently. Right. But I feel like with, with Joe Taylor, maybe he got to see the real Charlotte. Right. He, he didn't propose to her because he wanted her to be his wife so that they can go do missionary work or just yeah. something like that. He probably really liked her. And I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, it's, it's kind of sad to think of what it was like. Because then she wound up just marrying a reverend that was a friend of the family <laughs> who she'd already, you know, uh, rejected once, right? right? <laughs> uh, so she just got worn down, basically. But, <laughs> hey, as long as she if she, if she truly had feelings for him, then good for her, yeah.
0: Yeah, well, yeah. She she did She did wind up with someone she really cared for, so that's great. So now we come to the last segment of our podcast. Mike, what is your most meaningful passage or quote from this chapter?
1: Well, again, this is a very long chapter. There were a lot of quotes to to pull from. And Mm -hmm. so the one I got was from the very end of the chapter. And this is basically Charlotte trying to wrestle with the decision of, should I go with Sinjin as his sister? Or should I reject him because I don't really have any love for him? And so she says, quote, But as his wife, at his side always, and always restrained, and always checked, forced to keep the fire of my nature continually low, to compel it to burn inwardly and never utter a cry, though the imprisoned flame consumed vital after vital, this would be unendurable. Mm. And I feel like, you know, it's it's admirable that she's willing to go with him as, as his sister, you know, to sort of carry on the Lord's work. But yeah, that passionate fire in her heart is going to be keep burning and she's always going to want to be loved. And I think that's what makes her such a strong and memorable character.
0: Yeah. yeah. Oh, great quote. I, I do like that passage a lot. So um, yeah, I'm glad you picked it. It's not what I picked.
1: Not what you picked. Okay. No. <laughs> I was hoping we might have a fourth quote where we we share the same quote, but not this time. What was your most meaningful passage?
0: This is a quote where Jane is kind of commenting on her own personality uh, before Sinjin, uh, takes her outside and makes that proposal. So she says, I know no medium. I never in my life have known any medium in my dealings with positive, hard characters antagonistic to my own between absolute submission and determined revolt. I've always faithfully observed the one up to the very moment of bursting, sometimes with volcanic vehemence into the other and as neither present circumstances warranted nor my present mood inclined me to mutiny, I observed careful obedience to Sinjin's directions, and in ten minutes I was treading the wild track of the glen, side by side with him. Hmm. I, I like that quote because uh, I kind of identify with Jane feeling like, you know, she I, I will bear something with a lot of patience until I just can't bear it anymore.
1: <laughs> okay, sure.
0: And this, this passage really foreshadows... Jane's break with Sinjin, where she says, you know, she she she's going to submit to what he says until she absolutely cannot anymore. It's going to be a very hard break for her. Mm -hmm. And I think it also shows, you know, we see that with how Jane reacted to Mrs. Reed. And, you know, she says that she's for 10 years or so she bore being bullied and Mm -hmm. mistreated by the Reed family until she snaps. And then she's total mutiny.
1: <laughs> mm, okay, I like that line. That I know no medium. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. It's, it's one or the other for her. Yeah.
1: Like I said, this is, and then now we're going to see this, that definite break. I mean, I, I got, I can't remember. We'll find out in the next chapter, but I, I just, I can't remember when does she leave?
0: Oh, it's, it's, what, it's, what it's, it's instigates coming.
1: that? Yeah. Cause I feel like, okay, this is the next, we talk about these different acts of this book where we are in the third act, but we're, Well, we've only got four more chapters. We're wrapping this book up. Right, right. And so, yeah, where are we going next? Jane's got to (laughs) go. Thank you so
0: much for listening. If you enjoyed our podcast, please subscribe and leave us a review on your preferred podcast platform. This really helps us grow and reach new listeners. If you want to talk Jane Eyre with me online, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at airguide. That's E-Y-R-E.
1: And if you want to hear more from me, I host my own podcast called Out of Touchstone, where my good friend Chad and I discuss all the films that Disney produced for their Touchstone Pictures label. You can also find me on Twitter at Mike DeKalb.
0: Thank you and farewell for the present.